And welcome back to uh, another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Delzell and myself, Sonny, talk about the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective. And Dan, you know, a lot of times when we have these conversations, we're dealing with a correlation between things of this world and things of the next world, things that come after we pass away. And so I thought maybe we could talk about that today, you know, at least five critical facts about life after death that you write about. And, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, you write in the article that several hundred people will die just while reading the article. But then we've also gone through, and I think that's just, you know, normal life, normal life cycle. But then, you know, we've gone through this period of about a year and a half, almost closing in on two years where you add a pandemic to it. And there's been others that have passed on that might not have died if it wasn't for this COVID that has been going around. And then, of course, there's other things, too, unexpected deaths, um, you know, that happen just because of accidents. And then there's the the kind of, I don't want to say planned deaths, but, you know, it's the expected where someone has a lengthy illness and then eventually they succumb to that illness. And so death can come either rapidly in a tragic event like a, an accident. It could be gradual due to an illness. But in the end, at some point in time, unless Jesus comes again, everybody here on earth is going to pass on. And then it's what happens after life on earth is what we want to get into today. And I know some people believe that there's nothing. There's nothing out there. Once you're dead, you're dead, and that's it. Others believe that maybe you become reincarnated into something else. Others believe that, you know, maybe there's, you know, some good out there, like a heaven, and everybody goes to heaven. And then there's mm-hmm. varying degrees of heaven, depending on how good you were here. Uh, yeah. how much works you did on earth, which is something that we've been talking about works and salvation. The more work you do, right. here, you know, the better, I guess, place you're going to be in the afterlife. Uh, some people believe you just kind of float around and maybe you can have a presence here on earth. Uh, people that might be involved in seances and things like that believe that the, the spirit world is just out there. So there's a lot of different things that people believe. And so I thought this might be a conversation that we can talk about. Um, what happens after we die, and what are those five critical facts about life after we move on into eternity? Yes, on absolutely, and and of course, this is the most important discussion that uh, we could ever have because our life on Earth is winding down; the clock is ticking, um, and you know the best the world can do to respond to that, son, is. Uh, you know, you see this in commercials all the time is to try to like offer someone, you know, some hope for like a, a good retirement or, you know, uh, you know, working on your retirement savings or, or wh- what you're going to do in your retirement. Um, and, and, and they have these commercials, you know, where people are smiling um, about, you know, well, it's going to be such a great retirement. And, and again, I'm not faulting them for that, because if that's all, you know, then you're going to try to make the best of it. But but isn't it something? on how we all just tend to kind of settle for um, for death uh, because we know we're all going to die but but the Bible tells us we don't have to limit our perspective to the few years that we have here I mean fortunately thankfully you know the Lord has provided a plan of salvation of eternal redemption uh, in heaven and and then he reveals to us through the gospel that we actually get to go there. Um, but the Bible also shows us that contrary to popular opinion, heaven is not 
man's eternal default destination. You know, you, you, in the culture and in the media and in the entertainment industry, you know, that, that, that comes through, uh, all the time. You know, I always think about that movie, uh, Meet Joe Black with, uh, with Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins, where he's the successful businessman and, and, uh, and, and, uh, Brad Pitt is actually, uh, I guess you could call him the angel of death who's come to earth because it was, uh, you know, it was time to, to take Anthony Hopkins from this life. And, um, in the process, you know, uh, Brad Pitt ends up falling in love with, um, Anthony Hopkins daughter. So that's part of the whole story, but, but I'll never forget that line at the very end when they're having this big celebration for Anthony Hopkins, uh, after a successful business career, um, on this just, you know, huge estate that he has his mansion and just this beautiful evening. And then he and, um, Joe black, they kind of walk up, up this hill. Uh, kind of representing now, you know, uh, Anthony Hopkins is, is going to move on. He's going to cross over to the other side. But I'll never forget the line where Anthony Hopkins, then he asked uh, Brad Pitt, Joe Black, he asked him, he said, hey, basically, uh, you know, should I be afraid? And and Brad Pitt comes back with what is the classic um, answer that natural man assumes is the case, son. He comes back with, oh, no, not not, not a man like you. You know, so, so, so the message is, oh no, you know, you, you've been, you've been a man of integrity. You, you, you've been a man of, of high morals. Um, and so not a man like you, um, that is how the world attempts to, um, try to get some level of peace about, um, going on to the other side with this idea that most people are going to be going to heaven. Um, but, but that's not what, um, the, the, the Bible teaches. Um, you know, in fact, Jesus said many are on the wide road that leads to destruction and only a few on the road to life. And the Bible goes even further to tell us that to get on that road, um, it's necessary to come to know Jesus as your savior, to trust him as your savior, to have your sins forgiven, to have your sins uh, washed away. So the message of the world is one son that you would expect natural man to come up with. And, and the only way son, the only reason that you and I and other Christians know for a fact, and that was part of the, the, the title of the article, you know, five critical facts about life after death. The only reason we know for a fact what we know about heaven and hell is because God has revealed it to us in scripture. Otherwise we would be shooting in the dark, just like everybody. We, 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 we'd be coming up with all sorts of, you know, ideas that might even resemble, um, you know, the movie me, Joe black, you know, where we, where we start to say, well, Hey, you know, um, people who live a good life, they're the ones who go to heaven without really understanding that, you know, according to the Bible, none of us are, are good uh, in the sense that we're, we're all sinful. There's none righteous. The Bible says, no, not one. So as we kind of get into this topic today, um, there's nothing more important we could be talking about. Uh, I, I hope son that every listener, um, just kind of, you know, enters into this with maybe just a prayerful, you know, Lord, teach me what you want me to know, uh, as these two guys talk about, about eternity, because son, this is, this is where we're all heading, um, to the other side. And it's very critical that a person know how to get to heaven. You know, Dan, I've had several conversations with people throughout my life regarding, you know, different aspects of religion, not necessarily Christianity, but religion. 
some Christianity, others just spirituality. You know, I had the Mm -hmm. fortunate opportunity to teach on a college campus for eight years. And so you meet a a great diversity of people, thoughts, beliefs, ideologies, theologies, and all that. And I'm always one to engage in conversation, although, you know, at the time you kind of have to be careful about starting the conversation, but, you know, you can always engage. And so, you know, anytime someone asked a question, I would respond and engage in conversation because they asked and the themes that seem to run when it comes to spirituality religion christianity was what's heaven gonna be like you know do you know what heaven's gonna be like or their thoughts of what heaven's gonna be like and it would range the gamut from you know just another type of earth setting that we all just kind of live and coexist or it's going to be like earth in heaven you know what we're doing here we're just going to do there Others believe it's um, just a place where we go and kind of hang out, almost almost like, you know, the, the angels with wings and harps floating on a cloud. And then the other thing that's kind of interesting is that there's some people that don't believe heaven exists. But then when you ask them, even the ones that don't believe heaven exists, okay, if you die and you're going someplace, okay, just I had to ask him to play along. I'm like, you're going to go someplace. There's a place afterwards because, right. you know, we don't know. Where do you think it is? And they would yeah. say heaven. So it's yes. like everybody, even the people that don't believe in heaven, if That's they, right. if That's they right, play Tom. the game, you know, and they yeah. play along with me, they still believe that when they die, they would go to a yeah. place like heaven. And that's just kind of fascinating to me that heaven is yeah. the destination that everybody, no matter what they believe in, even if they yeah. don't believe, think they're going. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, yeah, great, great points, Son. And um, I, I remember reading here in the last few years, there was a survey, and I never really, you know, seen something quite like, like this, I guess, or, or really paid enough attention to it. But um, in this survey, apparently 1% of Americans believe that they're going to hell. So right along with your point, Son, um, the, contra- or the, uh, the popular the popular view is that heaven is man's default destination. And unless you're someone like Hitler or Osama bin Laden, you know, or some just, you know, uh, you know, child molester, um, I mean, you know, or, or, or someone like this guy who just ran his car into these innocent people in Wisconsin. I mean, unless you're someone like that, um, you're probably going to make it into heaven. Um, and, and then sadly, what our friends in the Catholic church have, 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 concocted is, is is this false sense of security with this mythical place of purgatory, which is supposed to then give a person some comfort that, well, you know, you know, you're not going to be perfect. So you might have to spend some time, you know, basically in timeout. It's almost like, you know, uh, timeout in the afterlife, you know, which is a total mythical invention. Um, nothing in the Bible says that that, that, that is, is, is at all what, what happens. And, and the other thing that that, that dangerous doctrine does really son and i even wrote an article about that one time um you know why purgatory is such a dangerous doctrine um the other thing that that does is is it points people away from the cross where christ paid for our sins and 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 where he guarantees our eternal life and it turns people toward this this um false idea that somehow, you know, you may not have it so pleasant in purgatory for a while, but, you know, you know, it's almost like this on, okay, I was just reading um, today about a former uh, Irish Catholic priest, and he had his testimony online. 
and um, Richard Bennett, uh, I believe, is, is, is his name. And he was describing his upbringing uh, in Ireland uh, in the Catholic Church. I won't go into all that, although it would be a fascinating uh, podcast sometime to go more in depth on it. A person could just look it up online. But, um, but he told about all these things in his life that kept, you know, pointing him toward, you know, things like purgatory and, and, and relying on yourself to get into heaven. To make a long story short, um, he ended up, you know, leaving all that. In fact, he even, you know, he left the Catholic Church, in fact, and, and, and is no longer a priest, of course. But, uh, but he came to understand the gospel. So one of the things he said, though, and it reminded me of Martin Luther, is that um, he would put himself through these painful situations where he would like bring harm to his body and, and inflict pain on his body because it was instilled in him that that suffering and and prayers and this sort of thing are are how you can help other people supposedly who are in purgatory and then also yourself and your soul. So it's very very sad when any person in a religion. Um, is given instructions from a religious organization that is instructing them to try to earn their way to heaven, to try to suffer their way to heaven, to try to, you know, rely on, on some mythical purgatory to go to heaven. All of those things, son, they're extremely dangerous teachings because the Bible is very, very clear that, that an individual is saved by grace through faith in Christ. And it's in Christ alone. Not in what we do, not in what we suffer, not in what we strive to perfect, um, but in Christ alone. So this is the gospel message that, that God sent his only son to suffer and die for us so that we don't have to suffer in hell. And, and, and the one thing I'll say too, Son, I think it's tragic. You know, I just mentioned the, the Catholic side of things. I think it's tragic that in some uh, so-called uh, certain Protestant or hyper-fundamentalist churches, I think it's tragic that there have been so many people who've been raised in an environment. I, I think of like the, the author, uh, Philip Yancey, who, who, who's written about this, uh, you know, really for decades now. I mean, he, he wrote what the book, uh, you know, The Jesus I Never Knew. Um, but anyway, he was raised in one of these hyper-fundamentalist uh, homes. And, and, and where, you know, you're, you're constantly threatened with, with going to hell. You're constantly having the law thrown up in your face. Um, you're never given the gospel. And, and so it doesn't matter whether it's a, a, a Catholic or a Protestant or some other religious or even so-called Christian church. Um, you know, there are many, many religious uh, organizations and, and even churches that are not proclaiming the gospel, the good news of salvation, uh, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. We are saved, son, by, by God's grace as we believe in Jesus, not by our works. This is the clear revelation of Scripture. Um, this is how I know that I'm going to heaven, um, uh, because Christ died for me. If somebody said to me, Dan, you know, uh, how sure are you that you're going to go to heaven? I'd say a hundred percent. They say, well, isn't that pretty arrogant? I'd say, well, it would be if, if, if the basis of my certainty was on something I was doing, then yeah, that probably would be quite arrogant, but that's not where my certainty comes from. 
You know, the Apostle Paul, for example, said, man, I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I can honestly say that I know without a doubt I'm going to go to heaven because of what Christ did for me on the cross. And I also realized, son, that I can't even boast about that, that certainty or that faith because God's given that to me through the word, through the gospel, as he has to all believers. And the little, um, the little caveat I'll throw in there is if somebody's listening and they might say, well, you know, I believe in Christ. But in all honesty, I'm only like 90% sure. I'm only 70% sure I'm going to go to heaven. What I would say is don't be overly alarmed at that, okay? Um, Faith is the root. Assurance is the flower, okay? The key is that your faith is in Christ. And if you don't yet have that certainty, doesn't mean you're not a believer. Doesn't mean you're not on the road to heaven and you're not going to go to heaven, okay? It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that as you continue to meditate on the promises of God and on the gospel, that certainty or that, 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 um, yeah, I guess I'd say that certainty will continue to, um, to, to increase. Um, be, be, because, uh, like in, in John, first uh, John, it says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And, and I'll leave it at this point right here, son, the name of your podcast, sanctified reason, um, that is involved. That, that's referring to knowledge, knowledge that God gives us. And, and notice what John said, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know. And the knowing part is the sanctified reason, okay? You won't know that heaven is your home until you first believe in Christ. And if somebody says, well, I know that heaven's my home and Christ isn't my Savior, well, then the Bible would come along and say um, that you, you, you're not saved. Um, you may be convinced, okay? Although I, I think few people are convinced of heaven without believing in Christ. But let's just say you have someone who is convinced. Um if their faith is not in Christ, the root is the most important thing. And then the flower grows as we abide in the word and the promises of God. But it's not up to us to like secure our salvation or do the rest of it. You know, Jesus did it all. He paid it all at the cross. You know, Dan, when I was, uh, I just turned 18, a couple of days after my 18th birthday, I was out and, um, I was with one group of friends, went to the movies, happened to see another friend of mine. He was with another group, a guy that I'd known pretty much uh, since first grade. And again, I was a senior in high school and we had kind of crossed paths at the movie theater. I was exiting. I'd seen the movie that I went to go see and he was just coming in with his group and we talked for a little bit in the lobby. And then I said, Hey, you know, let's catch up because we we're going to different schools at the time. So let's catch up. Let's get together sometime. Let's uh, connect this week. And he said, okay, we'll do that. Well, unfortunately later that night, uh, the next day I got a phone call, but later that night he had died in a car crash and I got mm-hmm. the phone call the next day and he was no longer with us. So the whole idea of, you know, Hey, let's get together and let's connect this week. Yeah. Wasn't able to materialize. You know, we live life. And so my point is this, we live life assuming mm-hmm. that tomorrow is going to come that we exactly. can make plans down the future. And of course, you know, that's what we should do because we shouldn't live in this negative filled fear filled mm-hmm. world where we're going to die every second, live in a bubble. You know, we need to yeah. live life according to, you know, how God wants us to live life. He wants us to live a, a joyful life, a happy life, a full life. Right. But we do have to remember that tomorrow is not promised that we could be gone either in the twinkling of an eye, if he comes back or if we happen to succumb to a tragic event, um, you know, whatever yeah. reason. And so we have yeah. to make sure that, you know, our hearts are right with God, no matter right. what it is at this moment, like right now, because if not, mm-hmm. 
the next breath we take could be our last. And unfortunately, the sad thing is a lot of people don't realize that. They'll push it off. They'll be like, you know what? Um, yeah, God's cool. Jesus is great. I totally believe in what you're saying, but I'm not ready right now to commit. Yeah. So I'm just going to push it off and, and maybe after the holidays. Exactly. And it's a sad thing. Yeah, it, it really is, son. You know, uh, back in 2012, uh, Whitney Houston um, suddenly, suddenly died. And, um, at that moment, her soul departed from her body and she was only 48 years old at her funeral, the popular and, and wonderful Christian, uh, musical family, the Winans, the Winans family, they sang the song tomorrow at her funeral. In fact, I'd encourage, uh, you know, any listeners to just pull that up online. Uh, it's on YouTube. Uh, it's a beautiful song, but basically they say, you know, just what you were saying, saying, you know, tomorrow, um, uh, who promised you tomorrow? Uh, and then the lyrics say, um, uh, you know, uh, Jesus says, here I stand. Will you please uh, take uh, take my hand? And you say, I will tomorrow. Um, and, and then it, it concludes by saying that, you know, tomorrow may very well be today. So, Son, you're exactly right when you highlight the point that we don't know. We, we're not promised tomorrow. Um, and so anytime a person hears the gospel, uh, if somebody's hearing it right now for the first time or for the tenth time, um, we don't know, Son, uh, when when our time is going to be up. But every human being, you know, everyone uh, is is either saved or lost, either justified or not. They're a believer or an unbeliever. And and it, one of the biggest tragedies I think is that there are so many religious people who are not saved. Um, you know, in some cases, Son, it's because they hate people. Um, it's interesting with Philip Yancey, um, you know, uh, I was just reading in his, uh, his little testimony here today or yesterday, and he's been around a long time and has helped a lot of people. Um, and, um, I think something like 15 million of his books have sold something like that, but he's helped a lot of people as he came out of that, that, you know, super strict legalistic environment. But, but one thing he just plain, plain comes out and says, he says that he, when he was a child, he said, I was a racist. He said, because our, because that's what was in the church and, and my family, you know, it was, it was, it was racism, just pure, hardcore uh, racism. And he just, he just opens up about that. You know, he was, he was, he was in a church where white supremacy was uh, promoted and, and taught. Now, now that's the furthest thing from the gospel. So, you know, in John, First John, when it says, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. So um, this has obviously harmed many, many people. It's, it's turned many people off to Christianity. And what's so tragic about that is that people get turned off then to what is not the authentic, uh, not the authentic um you know, Christianity in practice. Instead, it's something being done in the name of Christ that is unchristian and unbiblical. And and that will have to be especially hard for people when they stand before the Lord one day, son, and, and the Lord, you know, says, you know, hey, you got to go that direction. I don't know you. Um, and they're like, but, but, but Lord, um, you know, how, how could I, how could I belong to that church that, that hated people? And, but, but you know what, son, um, there are millions of, of, of people in the world. They're called Christians who don't hate people, 
Um, in the Bible, there's no such thing as a Christian who hates someone. You know, in this in this world, we get professing Christians um, who hate others and who even promote racism um, and, and who who promote white supremacy. But that's not Christianity. And and so for a person to um, to reject Christ because of that is, is so so tragic. Um, especially when there are millions and millions of Christians uh, of all, you know, races and, and backgrounds who love the Lord. Uh, but, but Christianity and, and, and racism, Christianity and hatred, Christianity and prejudice, these things are not, um, you know, these are not compatible uh, any more than Christianity is compatible with, you know, um, gossip or sexual immorality uh, or lying um, or stealing. Um, you know, when, when we see these, you know, like the other day, a mob of 80 people with, uh, I guess, ski mask on went into a Nordstrom's in the San Francisco area and just, you know, they went in, I think maybe baseball bats or something, but they're, you know, robbing, taking whatever they can. I mean, thou shalt not steal. That is not compatible with Christianity. That's not legalism, by the way. You know, legalism is when you have a, um, let's say, a church that is just, they're, they're harping on secondary things that don't really matter. And they say things like, well, you know, um, you're not really a Christian if you don't wear your hair a certain way or your makeup a certain way, or if you wear certain jewelry, or, or if you have a, a can of beer or a glass of wine, you're not really a Christian. Or, or if you don't speak in tongues, you're not really a Christian. Uh, and we could go on and on down the list. Um, that's legalism. You know, in, in the book of Galatians, the issue was circumcision. And that's what the book of Galatians was written about. Um, Paul said, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. You know, he said before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was portrayed as crucified. And then he said, did you receive the spirit that is the Holy Spirit by, by uh, observing the law or by believing what you heard? So Paul was trying to bring him back son, to the gospel. Um, so legalism is when a, a, a church is pushing these these secondary issues as though, you know, if you don't jump through our hoops, do it exactly the way we do it on every level, um, you know, on all these secondary matters, then you're not really you're not really saved. That's that's not biblical. And, and, and so um, Philip Yancey grew up in an environment where they were, where, where, you know, there was racism, where they were pushing these secondary things. And that's just not in the spirit of the gospel song, you know, where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Um, you know, not all Christian parents are going to educate their kids the same way, be it, you know, uh, Christian school, homeschool, public school. Um, not all churches are going to have the same style of worship. Um, not all churches are going to, you know, approach uh, baptism the same way. Uh, but, but you know what? Um, the gospel is the gospel. And, and if you believe the gospel, um, and, and you're not pushing the law as a means of salvation, then you're going to be able to help people and, and get them on the road, that narrow road to heaven. And that's really what we're trying to do, son, isn't it? Trying to help people, you know, get on that narrow road. And, and sadly, there are many, many out there who are throwing all sorts of roadblocks up there, whether it be purgatory, whether it be, I mean, we, we've mentioned quite a few already now on the podcast, but there are a lot of um, unbiblical things that, that really Satan is stirring up uh, to keep people from finding that narrow road uh, that leads to heaven. You know, Dan, I remember the first time I went to Disneyland. It was decades ago. In fact, it was back when you still had what was known as the e-ticket ride. You had to go buy your tickets. It wasn't 
one admission to the park. In fact, I think the park was free to go into, and then you bought tickets, kind of like at a carnival, and then you, uh, depending on the excitement of the ride, it might be an A ticket or a B ticket, or the best was the E ticket ride. And so I remember going to Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know if it was an e-ticket ride back then, but it doesn't matter. And there was a, a scene in Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride at Disneyland. Yeah. And it's a skeleton, and he's in a prison, and it's a skeleton, and he has his hands cuffed above his head, and he's sitting on the ground. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's, I guess, maybe a couple other skeletons. But basically, it demonstrated that this former person that's now a skeleton had yep. been in prison for a very long time, probably died there and, you know, rotted away. And mm-hmm. so on Sunday, you mentioned about these demons being in hell and being chained yeah. and bound for all eternity and how they've yeah. been there already and they're going to be. So that was the yeah. thought that came to mind. I mean, decades ago, I go to mm-hmm. Disneyland and there's this ride, the Pirates of the Caribbean, and there's this, you know, display where there's yeah. this skeleton chained yeah. over, hands over yeah. his head sitting there. And yes. the last time I went to Disneyland, which wasn't too long ago, maybe a couple of years ago, so spanning decades, that dude is still sitting there with the skeleton with his hands cuffed. Wow. And that's what comes to mind when you talk about like all yeah. eternity. I know it's kind of a bizarre thing yeah. to correlate, but that's the only mm-hmm. thing I can really correlate. That skeleton thing at the, at the ride has been there pretty mm-hmm. much my entire life, maybe, yeah. the enti- maybe the entirety of the ride, and yeah. it's still there. And that's almost like the only thing that I can – relate as to all eternity in a bad place is that skeleton sitting in that prison in that ride for pretty much the entire life and he's just sitting there and and i know it's going to be way worse than that but that's what i envision when we talk about you know all eternity in a bad place is you have that or the alternative then could be you know eternity in heaven with uh with with jesus but that's what right. comes to mind. It's kind of bizarre, but it's it's a sad, it's a depressing thought to think that there's potential people out there that can yes. spend all eternity in a place so miserable, and um, yeah. and it's sad that they just want to push it off. Yeah, and I'm reminded, Son, as you share that, uh, when I saw you know Pirates of the uh, Caribbean, that I remember um, you know a few of those scenes where those um, those one beings or spirits or whatever they were, you know, there was that part of that scene, part of the plot was having to spend eternity there in chains, just as you're saying. And um, and, and so you don't often see that in movies that, that go quite that far into it um, be, because the Bible is very clear that, that, you know, um, heaven and hell are one way destinations. Um, you know, it's like, you know, if a person goes to buy a, a plane fare, you know, you can get two way ticket or one way ticket. Well, nobody's going to get a two way ticket to heaven or to hell. Uh, there will be no other destination after you arrive in heaven or hell. And, and to kind of go along with your point there, your illustration there from the movie there, um, I, I think son of what Jesus talked about in Luke 16, where there was a rich man who had gone to hell, uh, who did not know the Lord. Uh, apparently, you know, he, he loved his money, but he didn't love the Lord. So, you know, just like Jesus said, how hard it is for a rich person uh, to enter heaven because so many rich people do love money, I guess, is kind of what, 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 what the Lord is saying there. Well, this guy uh, was in hell, you know, um, some 2,000 years ago, and, and, and Jesus described him as being in torment. Um, Jesus quoted him saying, I'm in agony in this fire. Um, and, and so that was 2000 years ago, son. And that same man is still there 
But think how short 2000 years is compared to eternity. I mean, this is where this is so mind boggling. It, it truly blows our minds on to, 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 to try to fathom uh, a, a place that a person would be forever and ever. And, and, and the description of hell in the Bible song is that it's a prison. Um, it's a prison, just like those um, those fallen angels. You know, some now are in Tartarus, the lowest form of of, uh, of hell, the abyss. Uh, the Greek word is is, is uh, hell, whether it be Hades or Gehenna or Tartarus. Um, but 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 Hades is where actually that's the the Greek word in Luke sixteen, where the rich man is in Hades, which is kind of like uh, maybe I would say the county jail of hell, uh, because Gehenna or the lake of fire is is like the prison where you never leave. Uh, the county jail is like where you're being held um, before you go to stand before the judge to receive your sentence. You know, I, I, I um, led a Bible study here uh, at the Sarpy County Jail for five years. Um, and, you know, often, you know, uh, the guy's cases would, would, would come up and they would talk about, you know, going before the judge and maybe, you know, maybe what what. Uh, maybe they were going to maybe be sentenced for, uh, you know, how many years and so forth. Um, so I heard a lot of guys talking while they were in the county jail, talking about going before the judge. And and then, boy, they wanted to, of course, stay out of prison. Um, but, but, but here's the thing, son. Those who go to Hades um, cannot stay out of Gehenna. They will be thrown into the lake of fire. Um, you know, that'll be quite a scene. When um, when souls in Hades are somehow transported before the Lord, um, you know, you almost picture like these people in chains, you know, and, and, and you can picture people naked, uh, you know, I mean, uh, because the Bible talks about people being spiritually naked. So, I mean, that that would be the least of their worries. It, 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 you know, uh, you know, we, the Bible talks about believers having on a white robe of Christ's righteousness, you know, in, in Revelation. These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? Uh, you know, all these people standing before the, the throne, uh, 144,000, you know, uh, representing, you know, um, you know, really all of God's people who are going to be there. And, um, you know, the answer is uh, uh, these are they who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So the two options, son, are a person can come to Jesus and have your sins forgiven, washed away by the blood of the Lamb, which is the only way sin can be forgiven, and then you're guaranteed a white robe in heaven. Another guarantee that the Bible talks about is your name is now written in the Lamb's book of life. So your name is in what I call heaven's reservation book. Um, but if you're an unbeliever, son, you're in Hades, you cannot even repent in Hades and, and get to heaven. Once you go to the county jail of hell, like that rich man did 2,000 years ago, um, there's no getting out of hell forever. Um, the, the only time you'll maybe briefly get out is however that plays out with, um, you know, the judgment day, you know, and, and I, I just kind of picture like all these people in Hades now um, who are locked in that jail um, now almost like in chains being brought before the Lord um, to receive their sentence. And, you know, the Bible does talk son about how, you know, hell is going to be worse for some rather than others. So, um, I, I suspect that, that the sentences that will be handed down to those unbelievers who've rejected Christ, um, some will be even worse than others. I mean, you, you shudder to think about it. You know, you shudder to think about, uh, you know, any of it. Because, because the lightest sentence in hell would have to be, you know, a thousand times worse than the worst prison in the world. You know, it would, it would have to be, you know, and that, that's the lightest sentence in hell.
um, was something you, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want really your worst enemy to, to spend an hour in, let alone a day, a week, a month, you know, <laughs> 2000 years, eternity. So this is nothing to mess around with. And, and, and again, I'll say one more point right here, son. And that is, I think it's so tragic that, that, that there've been certain legalists who have, they, they've harped on hell, they've harped on hell. And they've almost robbed a person from having a healthy fear of hell because what they've associated with this, this, this preaching of hell, they, 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 they've connected it in the minds of some people to legalism, to hatred, to, you know, and, and then it makes it tougher to teach people the truth about heaven and hell. It's kind of like, you know, when people grow up in a legalistic, you know, Protestant or Catholic church, um, you know, it's much tougher to reach somebody like that, a religious person who's been really turned off, you know, to religion. Um, just, you know, they weren't given the gospel. They were just given rules, rules, rules. Um, it's much tougher to reach somebody like that, um, I, I have found over the years, because they've almost been like inoculated to it by so much bad stuff in the name of religion or even in the name of Christianity. And and so, uh, man, I mean, Satan, he knows what he's doing, son, as he tries to keep people out of heaven. And, and point them in the direction of hell. That's the other thing, Dan, that people tend to not realize, maybe not want to confront, is the thought of just how bad hell is. A lot of people think it's going to great, be a great big party, and it's going to be a lot of celebrations with their friends, and it's going to be a cool place to go. You talk uh, a lot of musicians and maybe some celebrities, and these people of so-called influence talk about hell sometimes as if it's a great yeah. place to go. And unfortunately, right. that's going to attract others to be like oh wait a minute if so-and-so celebrity says that's a cool place then that's where i want to be and it's a sad thing because they don't realize the reality that's going to hit them square in the head when they end up there that's right yeah that's exactly right song you know you know people you know have talked about how well maybe the beer will be warm or or this or that they have no clue uh i mean all you have to do is read the bible you know it says everyone will be salted with fire it says there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth um, it says their worm will not die and the fire will not be quenched. Um, again, going back to that man in Luke 16, he said, I'm in agony. I'm in torment. And what was amazing there, son, is, is that he was allowed to have this conversation. Um, and he, it was actually revealed in Luke 16 then that he started begging, like, Hey, let, let me, let me go warn my brothers so that they don't come to this place, you know? And, and, and so, um, once a person arrives in Hades, the County jail of hell, um, you don't want any of your family to follow you there. I mean, you know how terrible it is. It, it's not some party with maybe uh, bad sound, bad lights, and bad beer. I mean, that's not it. You know, uh, it, it is, uh, you know, but, 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 but man's, you know, some the same mind of man that, that rejects the gospel, you know, that same natural man um, absolutely rejects the biblical teaching of hell the biblical teaching of heaven. So we, of course, our job as Christians is to be compassionate, um, to be um, loving, uh, to realize there, but for the grace of God, son, you and I, we would be on the road to hell. Um, We would be caught up in some false religious ideas, or we'd be atheists, or we'd be, you know, um, you know, maybe legalists, uh, you know, who who are convinced that we're earning our way to heaven or something like this. and, uh, you know, son, I mean, our work is cut out for us, but what a, what a privilege we've been given. And, 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 you know, think about how long the Lord waited, you know, there were 4,000 years, uh, roughly between the time God created Adam and Eve 
and when the Messiah was born in Bethlehem. All you have to do is trace the the uh, the the, uh, the timeline there in, in the Bible. Now we don't know when the Earth was created. Um, we don't know that was you know back you know uh, I mean who knows uh, you, you you can't really put a date on when the Earth was created, but you can put a date on when Adam and Eve were created. Um, and, and so where I'm going with that is God waited then 4,000 years from the time Adam and Eve sinned in the garden of Eden, um, 4,000 years before the Messiah came. So think about all those centuries that the God's people, the Israelites were waiting for a Messiah, waiting for a Messiah. And then the tragedy today, son, is that so many, um, so many Jewish people, um, do not see Jesus as their Messiah. Their eyes are blind. The scales are on their eyes. Um, sadly, um, and, and so they don't even see their own Messiah. Um, and, and so as we see in the New Testament, then, you know, you know, it was like God said, well, hey, uh, and, you know, he did this, you know, through through uh, uh, Paul and, and Peter and others. But it's like, hey, we're going to get the gospel out then to the Gentiles, too, you know. And of course, that was God's plan all along to reach us. But I'm just thankful that he did. And um, the time is short, though. Uh, and, and I know that um, a lot of people don't don't think that way. Um, they get very busy, caught up in the things of this world. And the next thing you know, son, you're busy planning for your retirement without any eye on eternity. And, and um, you know, son, just during the time that we've had this podcast, you know, there, there have already been thousands of people around the world who have crossed over. Um, and I'll tell you, many of them, sadly, many of them um, have been horrified uh, to, to see what, what, what they uh, would, would be seeing. And, um, you know, in the movie Meet Joe Black there, you know, Anthony Hopkins uh, was told, you know, by Brad Pitt, hey, um, not a man like you. Well, the Bible, the, the, the Bible makes it very clear. Um, none of us, uh, n- none of us deserve to go to heaven. All of our righteousness is like filthy rags, the prophet Isaiah said. And, and, and Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers in uh, 19th century London, uh, he said, morality will keep you out of jail, but only the blood of Jesus will keep you out of hell. And, and, and I'll tell you, son, if that message were to sink in, uh, to, uh, to Americans today, not to mention people in the world, all around the world, you know, um, there are like what, 72 millennials, uh, right now between say 18 and 34. Um, if that message were to sink in, let's say sign with 30% of millennials, uh, we, we are talking over 20 million young adults who could come to discover their purpose for being on earth. And, and even more than that, discover, um, how to get to heaven. And, and many, many millennials, many baby boomers, many, you know, Gen Xers and Gen Zers. I mean, there are people in every generation who, who are lost. They're dying. Um, you mentioned COVID, son. They're dying from all sorts of things. Old age, cancer, COVID, sadly, car accidents. These poor people mowed down by, you know, that, that, uh, that the criminal really in, uh, uh, I mean, just a career criminal there in Wisconsin um, who, uh, you know, I guess had been let out earlier this month on a thousand dollar bail because man, you know, there's no justice in a situation like that, son. There's no justice um, for these uh, people who've died, including this eight year old boy. They get no justice, at least in this life, in this life, they get no justice for that. If some judge decided um, we're just going to uh, let him out on a thousand dollar bail, even though he's a career criminal, even though he's done you know a lot of bad things and look what happens Don, because that's the world. But I tell you, that's not the way God's system of justice works. Um, everybody gets justice 
Everybody gets justice. And, and um, a lot of people aren't going to like the justice that gets handed down. And, and the only people that are going to like, uh, are going to, are going to like what happens are going to be those who were relying upon the blood of Jesus because uh, in God's justice, he paid for sins. Uh, in fact, the sins of the whole world, uh, God made sure that, that people would only get into heaven uh, in a way that was both uh, that, that matched God's love and God's justice. And both of those were going on at the cross. Um, you know, the punishment that brought us peace, it says in Isaiah, was upon him. So, so Christ um, took that punishment. And so, yes, there was punishment for, for our sins. Jesus took that. Um, but, but, but God doesn't operate the way worldly judges do. You know, well, we'll give this guy a $1,000 bail, and then he goes out and kills these poor innocent people at a parade. Well, son, um, you know, the Bible says the whole world is under the control of the evil one. You know, many people think, well, you know, God's got the whole world in his hands. And ultimately, he does. And Satan's like a pit bull on a chain that can only go as far as God lets him go. But the Bible says the whole world is under the control of the evil one. And we see that, son, every single day. We see that. For some reason, God's allowing Satan to have his, his day, so to speak. But at the same time, um, his ultimate uh, punishment is coming in Revelation 20.10. It says, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Satan knows this. He knows his time is short. He knows he'll be tormented. He'll be tortured forever. You know, in Matthew, Jesus was about to uh, drive some demons out of two men, and these demons were terrified. They started shouting, you know, what do you want with us? You know, son of God, what do you want with us? And, and then they said this very revealing question, which I'm glad they, they let the cat out of the bag in a sense of, of what demons think about. But they said to Jesus, have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Very revealing, son. So no Christian has to be afraid of demons. If you feel like you're being oppressed by a demon, just tell them to get away in Jesus' name. Remind them that they're going to be tortured forever. They hate that. They're terrified of that. Well, why wouldn't they be? I mean, who wouldn't be if you knew you're going to be tortured forever? And there's nothing you could do to change it. I mean, I, I tell you what, son, um, it, it's, it's not a good day. It never has been to be a demon or to be Lucifer, their master, their, their fallen leader, you know, because they know, they know, they know that they will be tortured forever. And likewise, Christians can know that we're going to go to a place where the psalmist in Psalm 1611 said, you've made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And I'll tell you, Psalm, because of the Holy Spirit working in your life and mine and the lives of believers all over the world, we know uh, we, we, we believe in Christ. We believe first. But then God works that, that, that certainty, that knowledge. And, and, and then for anybody who's still struggling with doubts about their salvation, make sure that the root is correct. Make sure the object of your faith, that's the main thing. Are you trusting in yourself, your works? Are you trying to earn it? Or are you trusting in the cross? That's the key to salvation. The Bible makes that very, very clear. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Um, we are justified, you know, by, by faith in Christ alone. So praise the Lord for that. And, and uh, you know, praise the Lord, son, that we can spread the good news to, to, to others who need to hear this. You know, Dan, they, we've talked earlier about tomorrow not being promised to us. We never know when the time's going to come, either Jesus coming back for a second coming or whether we depart this earth through natural causes or, you know, death, basically. But, you know, I was thinking about the movie Courageous. I believe it's the movie Courageous. And there's a scene in there where the, the main character is um, in his truck and his daughter asks him to dance. And he was like, I'm not going to dance. You know, not right now. 
And then she ultimately dies in a car crash. And so then later on, there's a flashback scene where he goes to the place where his daughter asked him to dance and he does the dance. And then they kind of image in the daughter, you know, as to what might've been. And that's the other thing, you know, that's the other side of, of not being promised tomorrow that we have to think about. It's not just for people that might pass away. And now depending on at that moment of death, what they believe in is what their destiny is going to be. But it's also, you know, us as people that are going to be here that are going to have several tomorrows. You know, we still have to live as if tomorrow's not going to come because we've got people that we can be talking to. We've got people that we can be witnessing to, being an example for. People that we can be impacting. I mean, it might not be an outright like, okay, let's sit down and read the Bible and let me discuss the Bible with you. You know, it might be like just in our everyday example, showing other people Uh what it's like to have Christ-like love, what it's like to have Christ-like kindness, you know, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. And through that, through our actions, you know, we can be a witness, and eventually maybe God then utilizes what we kind of sprinkled as far as those seeds, you know, because that's really what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to, we like to think that we're the ones doing the work, but all we're doing is casting the seeds, kind of like Johnny Appleseed, throwing, you know, seeds all over the place, and some are going to land in rocky ground, some are going to land in fertilized ground, but all we have to do is just throw the seeds by being the example, and then let God cultivate it and use us then to, you know, to be the tools to maybe reach some of these other people. So we also have to realize that, you know what, okay, here's an opportunity for me to maybe uh, be a testimony to somebody, well, I'll do it tomorrow. Well, tomorrow might not come. And so we have to have that mentality ourselves, that mindset to realize that we have a responsibility to act as if tomorrow's not going to come and take those moments that come our way and be able to witness, be the testimony, be the example of what God is like, what Christ is like, and what they could be like if they see it in us. Well, that, that's exactly right, Son, and, and it makes me think of, of what happened after Jesus rose from the grave and, and, and then how the disciples, uh, what they experienced on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was, was poured out. Uh, you know, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. And, and, and so that applied, of course, to Peter, who had uh, denied the Lord three times uh, before his crucifixion. Um, we're all like Peter. We all miss opportunities. We're all weak. We don't have power to witness for Christ because either, you know, we're too afraid or, or we just, you know, don't have an interest or whatever. But then the Holy Spirit comes and he fills us with this power to be witnesses. So you're exactly right, son. We have these opportunities um, and, and we can pray, Lord, help me not to miss them. Lord, give me your strength. Give me your words. Give me your power, Lord, um, to be uh, a witness of the gospel. And God, the Lord will use us. In fact, the Bible even says the Holy Spirit will give us words at the time. Um, we don't have to worry ahead of time about what we're going to say. You know, if you're brought before, in that case, you know, they're being brought before, you know, uh, kings and judges and others. You know, they're being accused of things, those first uh, apostles and disciples. But, but you know, a person's situation may be, um, you know, on the job or at the gym or in their neighborhood or, or at Thanksgiving, um, you know, God will, a Thanksgiving meal, let's say, or, you know, a day when you're together with some relatives, um, you know, God will give us words and give us power. And so you, you hit the nail on the head there, son, that that's what the Lord wants to do through us because you're right. I mean, we're not just to be sitting around here. Uh, you know, I got my ticket punched and so, uh, Hey, I'm glad I'm going to heaven. <laughs> well, um, you know what? God didn't just sit up in heaven and say, well, I'm glad we're in heaven, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's like, you know, we, we want to rescue. We want to rescue lost sinners. And that's what God did for us. Um, and he gave a sacrifice that we could never even begin to give. Uh, but thankfully, son, we don't have to give our, 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 uh, our lives for the sins of others, but we are called 
to um, to give ourselves and 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 to make sacrifices for the cause of the gospel so that they can know Christ. So what a what a blessing it is to uh, to to have that, and we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us for that very purpose. You know, Dan, if somebody is listening to this and maybe they're uh, being touched by it. Maybe God's speaking to them. Maybe it's just a, another seed that's been planted. If someone wants to today, right now, know mm-hmm. Jesus, have complete forgiveness, yeah. be saved, know yeah. that they will have eternity in heaven and can avoid yeah. eternity and damnation in hell. Yeah. What can yeah. they do? Yeah. yeah, great question, Son. What I'd like to invite um, you know, someone listening today to do, uh, if that applies to you, um, a very, very simple, uh, a couple of simple things you could say to the Lord. You, you could begin by just saying, you know, dear God, please convict me of my sin. Um, you know, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes to, um, to convict us of, of sin and, and, and righteousness and judgment and guilt. Um, and, and so just ask God, just say, Lord, please convict me of my sin. Show me, Lord, where I am without you. And then the other thing you could do is, is just pray, Lord, um, uh, please um, show me who Jesus is and what he did for me on the cross. Um, Holy Spirit, please open my mind to, to, to that. And, and then thirdly, just, just then as God enables you to, just place your trust in Christ alone and in what he did on the cross. And so there's this transaction that can take place. You give God your sin and he'll give you eternal life. He'll give you forgiveness. He'll give you salvation. And, and so it's very, very simple. And, and you can do that right now with God. Um, and one other thing I would say is this, um, you know, read the gospel of John. That might be a good place to start. The more you fill your mind with the word, the more you're going to start flowing in this. Um, you know, I wrote an article one time called eat until you're hungry. So even if you're not hungry for the word, um, start feeding yourself the word and watch what God does. And another article was drink until you're thirsty. So, um, you know, maybe you're not thirsty for the Holy Spirit, to, for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, start drinking, start drinking these, these living water, this living water that God gives us. And, and then the last thing I'll say is um, get a Christian song or some, you know, uh, Christian music that, that blesses your soul. Um, get alone somewhere in your room or in your car. Well, yeah, maybe uh, somewhere like in your apartment or in your house. And um, when you have some time. You know, maybe just turn the lights down, um, put that music on, uh, sit down, and then try this. Try maybe just like opening up your palms, you know, just you know, have, your, have your hands out, extend it, open up your palms. And then as that music's playing, just ask the Holy Spirit to fall afresh on you um, and to do what only he can do, where he convicts you of sin and he gives you faith in Jesus. And I'll tell you what, um, God will meet with you, okay? If, you, if you're willing to meet with God, he will meet with you. You try that. If you've never done that, try that. Now, you know, you, you don't have to sit like that with your hands open. I mean, it, it's, it's not about that. But, but, but I'm, I'm just saying that, that can symbolize an open heart toward God. And, 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 and it can symbolize and represent um, a hunger to know God and, and, or to know him better if you already know him. So let that music start to bless your soul, you know, uh, read, read, read some Bible verses and then just sit down, open up your hands to the Lord and just start asking, just fill me, Lord, fill me with what I need to know. Um, and then, and then, and then read more of the Bible, you know, uh, that day and in the days ahead, because God will speak to you through his word and he will fill you with this living water of the Holy spirit. So those are a few things, son, I would encourage um, you know, the listeners to think about if they don't have never done something like that, my friend, you have no idea what you're missing. Um, the God of the universe who wants to bring you to heaven also wants to meet with you 
and, and communicate with you through his word and bless you. And, and by the way, if you have a broken heart or you've been wounded by uh, spiritual abuse or maybe physical abuse or, or emotional abuse, or, or if you're going through a tough time, I mean, ask the Lord of the universe to perform surgery on your soul, on your heart, your emotions, your mind. Um, just ask God to do that. I mean, you won't even know what God can do until you, until you do that. Um, but I mean, God is powerful and, and so get alone, get alone with God. I know put your phone somewhere else, you know, um, move that all aside for, for a while, unless of course you're listening to the music on your phone, but turn down, you know, the alerts for texts or emails or whatever. Um, and just get alone with God and say, Lord, fill me. And my friend, you will experience God. I'm going to tell you right now, you will experience God. I know we've been talking a lot today about believing God and having, you know, that's all, that's how it works, but you will experience God, the fullness of God, but God's only going to come in, in, in accord with the truth. You know, any experiences that you have um, that are not in line with the gospel, that's not coming from God. You know, there are counter, there are counterfeit experiences, other angels out there, uh, you know, as we've talked about today, but, but, but if you're, if you're coming to God, the father, the son, and the Holy spirit, and, and you're wanting to know Jesus as your Savior who died for your sins. You are not, you know, if, if you ask God, you know, for a fish, he's not going to give you a stone. Um, you know, if you come to God that way, and he won't allow the demons to offer some counterfeit. Not when you're coming to him like that. It's only when people get caught up in false religions and false things um, or the occult or, you know, they start, you know, having a seance or, or some crazy thing like that uh, or they're legalistic. But if you'll just sit down, get alone with God, open up your hands. Take some time. Um, I mean, what have you got to lose? You got everything to gain, you know, and basically you've got hell to lose. So that, that'd be a good thing to lose. So those are just a few thoughts on, on how, how somebody could do that. Dan Delzell with us as always, Dan, we appreciate your time, your thoughts, your comments, and your insights into the things that we talk about that go on in this world through a biblical perspective. And we look forward to uh, many more conversations, uh, God willing. Oh, absolutely, son. I, I sure do as well. And so um, we will uh, we'll plan on that. And uh, in the meantime, we'll ask the Lord to just take these words that uh, were shared today and, and that God will plant seeds and water seeds and really bless people in the Lord. And for those of you listening, hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can always go to RadioWarp.com. That's RadioWarp.com and click on the Sanctified Reason link. And all of our episodes that we've uh, done in the past will pop up and you can listen to them and then um, enjoy the show. So again, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.